0: Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson. And I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is up, everybody? Got another rocking episode of GLE today on the show. We have a multi passionate businessman whose story just impressed the heck out of me. You know, I've seen this guy's passion, I've seen his heart, gotten to know him a little bit over the last year as brothers in the 365 driven society. And I want to bring him and, and show him to my GLE audience because I know he's got some fire to bring. And I'm excited to introduce him to you. Pumped to have Brad Modric on the show today. Brad, welcome to GLE.
1: Hey, what's up, brother? I appreciate being on here, man. I'm 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 excited. I'm ready to rock this thing.
0: Let's do it, brother. So you're a multi-passionate businessman, and you know, that seems to fit pretty well with Go Lead Everything, right? And uh, you know, you do a lot of things. So I'm I'm curious, what what do you think got you to where you are today? I know you've got a unique story Ooh, that, right. that kind of brought you to the Brad Modric that you are today. Maybe we could start with a little taste of that. And uh, and see where we go from there.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, first off, thanks, thanks again for having me on here. And from standing on the sidelines, I've just I've seen the work that you're putting in. And even even earlier, my wife said, you know, tell me about the podcast. And I was like, you know, this guy's just been rocking and being consistent. So I want to commend you for that. You know, I may not be as engaged on social media as a lot of other people are, but just because I'm not engaged doesn't mean I'm not looking. And I, I got to tell you, man, you've been consistent with your message. And consistency plus discipline over time, just following the basic fundamentals, you're going to win, man. So, uh, appreciate it being brother. on here, man. So keep up, the, keep up the hard work, bro. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, I, I like to say I'm a knucklehead kid from the east side of Allentown. I mean, it's a, it's a there's no bullshit with that. I'm no one special. And when I say I'm no one special, I mean, I'm just a regular guy. I just took me a while to figure out, you know, now at 46, things are getting a lot easier. And I think that just from making a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad decisions that if you touch the stove hot enough, a certain amount of times, you, you learn not to just go back down that path. And, um, had a lot of just big life lessons that you know uh, whether it's God over my side watching me you know I've been in some really sticky situations at a young age uh was incarcerated uh was arrested multiple times stabbed that shot all all just kind of crazy shit and I'm still here and I I I think the you know yes how did I get here man I've I've, lately I've been on this thing where I don't want my past story. I don't want my, I don't want that to be my identity. And, you know, a lot of people ride on the coattails of, you know, over the river and through the woods when I was a young kid and I had to go through this shit and this and that. And, and I don't want that to be my identity, but it is a part of who I, who I was. And I mean this because there's a lot of mental shit in here that I'm just kind of putting out there yeah i'm not that kid who used to sell drugs i'm not that guy who's out partying like that that was that i put that guy to rest right i buried him and that got buried through going to prison that got buried through sitting in a a, an eight by four cell for a year losing my fucking gourd because i was you know in in solitary confinement you know the first year of my bid you know, so you go through these life lessons, and you can only learn from them. So I, you know, even though that that's my my past, and I do come from a you know, mom raised us two sisters. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we were low household income, one 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 income family. You know, where was dad at, at? Uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania? Uh, so it's a little north of Philadelphia, uh, third biggest city in Pennsylvania. Just for the record.
0: Sorry, i Where was your your dad at?
1: Ah, he's he split. Um, Yeah, he was gone at like last I could remember was like six seven. He got remarried, uh, moved down to Florida with his wife and her other kid, and you know kind of raised them. Came back a little in my life at fourteen, a couple phone calls here and there, and then when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I moved down to Florida and I kind of reconnected with him again. No, oh, wow. Um, just there, there was no relationship.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm always intrigued. I'm always intrigued by uh, people's story when they're like, when and the timing of their parents leaving, right? Like, I just find it, it's it's just kind of intriguing to me because I, I feel like their trajectory or, or how it mentally affects them can, can be so different just based, you know, whether they're in sixth grade or 14 or 20 or, you know, they're so young they barely remember, right?
1: Yeah, th- there's a couple things I remember about my dad. Now uh, he, he passed away two years ago, uh, went to the funeral. And uh, I was a, I was a fucking mess. I was crying. I was like,
2: just yeah, man, so many bad.
1: questions left. Um, but the crazy part, Phil, bro, I, I didn't really look at him as my dad. Uh, because and, and this is the thing that's still stuck on my head. It would take a, an act of God to keep me away from my daughter mm-hmm. and son. There's not a four. You better put me in a fucking pine box to keep me away from my kids. Right? right. There's nothing. I don't care how crazy. You know. Uh, you know, not to go too down. You know, too much shit. You know, my mom always saying my dad was such a you know demon. I don't care. And my dad saying my mom was a demon. So it was like pointing finger pointing shit. Right. Um, I don't care how batshit crazy. If my wife ever went batshit crazy, there would be nothing that would keep me away from my kids. Yeah. And just to know, and you got to, you know, there, there's a little extra on this. I'm Arabic. So I was, my dad's, I'm first generation here, Arab from okay. my, my dad. Yeah. I didn't so know that for an Arabic father. My dad was from Palestine, came here on a scholarship. Wow. Um, for him to leave it, his a son, and, and I get it, nothing against boys and girls, but it's just the Arab culture. That right. that son is like fucking Mustafa.
2: Right? Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, it's like the yeah. Lion King. He's holding him up. Like it's the, the Holy Grail, like to have this son. Right. For him to leave as a, it just still blows my mind. Like I, yeah. I it's crazy. Um, but nonetheless, you know, he did laugh. And, you know, there's only a couple of things I really remember from, from him. One, you know, uh, I remember he just never would show up. Mm-hmm just never showed up. I remember one time waiting. I was all ready. It was coming. My mom was like, yeah, your dad's coming. And I was ready and I was sitting on the front porch. Just it never came, never came. Mm-hmm. Nothing that a lot of young men and women don't go through on a daily basis. And right. not having that male role model. My mom was married two more times after, um, you know, she, she had, you know, alcohol issues, mm-hmm. drank, drank like a fish still, you know, still has set some issues, but not having a male role model in my life played a fucking huge part of why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't think I could ever get caught. My mom couldn't control me. I was, I mean, right. I was 13, 14 out running all over the Lehigh Valley, leaving cars on cinder blocks, taking stereos, fucking right. you name it, we were doing it. And then it got into, you know, dealing and just kind of. It was almost, I, I said this, I said this on, uh, on another podcast the other day, me getting arrested was like almost like getting stripes in the military.
2: Mm-hmm. It was,
1: it, it was a part of kind of who I was destined to be, right? You know, the tough kid from the streets, always fighting, always in shit, hustling, mm-hmm. dealing, typical criminal kind of mindset. Right. And just for the record, for everyone who's out there, even though we did bad shit, we were still like fucking Robin Hood we would still stick up for the week. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't bullies and like going out causing trouble. Usually most of the time when we were getting in fights and shit, it was mm-hmm. because we were sticking up for somebody. Mm-hmm. We just love to make money. <laughs> that still has not changed. Right. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. again, talking about past and identity, um, it was, you still just, hanging
0: out with people from back then?
1: No. Um, Oh well, from high school, there's two guys I still talk to. Uh, Tony, my best friend, he's my ride and die. Um, he progressed and he grew up as you know. We both kind of grew up together. Yeah, he's actually he's he's like the fucking national academic direct school director of this nonprofit up in Manhattan. Wow, making book. Awesome, but like, he's a fucking brain. I, th- I swear, he's the smartest guy I know. Um, those are the only two, yeah. but that was a different type of friendship. Those were, it was literally like, that was my right hand. And do I associate with anybody else? No, there's no need to because most people haven't evolved and they're just conversations different.
0: I really like how you said, you know, don't let your past story define your identity. You know, I think this is so easy for people. They fall into letting other people sort of form their identity for them. Right. And like, I don't know, did you, did you experience that at all through your life? Like people trying to kind of like form your identity as opposed to you saying like, no, I'm going to own this and, and form my own identity, create my oh, own identity. Bro, I, I
1: still, when I'm around certain people because they know my past. I feel like that's what they're thinking. Like, Oh, here comes the fucking convict. Here comes, the, you know, here comes the, the guy who did <laughs> fucking drugs and did like, and it's still, I'm fucking 46 years old. It was, yeah. um, you know, locked up in fucking sure. 90, 99. Um, <laughs> it's, crazy, it's man. still in me. It's still, I still have that feeling. I still mm-hmm. get those emotions. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even nowhere near that guy. Uh, there's yeah. no, that guy's completely dead, mm-hmm. but I, you know, it's, it's, it's in my hard wiring and that that you know that's still stuff that I deal with. You know, it's not perfect, even though we got a lot of great things going on, a lot, you know, discipline, success, and business and money and income and yes. all this wealth. Like I said when I started, I'm just like fucking anybody else, man. I got I got head case issues, I gotta, you know, talk myself off of cliffs a lot. Sure. You know, I still gotta talk myself into not fucking smacking people just for being fucking an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: So oh I know, brother. It's I know, it's brother. <laughs> <laughs> dude it, you know it's funny my my story of like identity goes back to being a bullpen catcher in college wow. and i you know i ended up one of the the backup catchers failed out couldn't travel with the team and so i had a little catching experience i was red shirt so I like hey phil you know you want to bullpen catch you get to travel with the team so i'm like oh, okay cool but then you know i was kind of like bullpen catcher phil after that right like i had your identity. Well, I don't know if I was like that or if I created that in my head, kind of like you, you know, you, you kind of like, oh, they just see me as like fill the bullpen catcher. They don't, you know, they don't really respect me as, as being better, or like being a starter or whatever I thought I wanted to be or, or could be or should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just I, I became very conscious of the fact that, you know, you can very easily allow like your imagined up perceptions that other people may or may not have. You know they may not even vocalize them, but you you know you allow that to create your identity instead of really stepping out there, being willing and having the courage to be who you really want to be, no matter what other people think, and and really create your own identity in in the face of you know maybe old people, friends, whoever who might be trying to say, nah, Brad, no, nah, Phil, you're you're not that person. You're you're that old guy that I know from ten years ago, right? And you're saying no, that's not me, right?
1: Yo, let's unpack this for a second, because I I had to deal with this, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are on a personal development. They're trying to get better. They're reading. They're working out. They're doing something. And I'm just going to use social media because it's so relevant in today's society right now. So even let's say that that person, let's call him Joe. Let's say Joe had a bad past, was fucking knucklehead back in the day. He's trying to get better. He's got a full-time job. He's reading. He's going to the gym. He's really trying to take care of himself. But he wants to make a post, right? Because he's 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 you know watching the Andes and the Eds, and he's watching you know all these great people speak, and he's inspired and he wants to put a post out, but he doesn't because in his mind he thinks, Well, what is everyone gonna think? What is everyone gonna say? That person is is I'm speaking from experience too, is stifled, <laughs> right? And and doesn't Take that action. Doesn't put themselves in an uncomfortable situation or mm-hmm. is so worried about what other fucking people think. This has probably been one of my biggest breakthroughs last year. When I stopped really giving a fuck who you were, you bleed just like I do. I don't care how much money you got. I know where I'm at. And that's all I'm worried about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of people, especially because social media is so relevant today oh, and it's yeah. such a, a, a major part of, you know, society. And I don't care who you are. You can say that it's not, but it is, mm-hmm. it, it is a huge art. At least it is in my world. You know, we built a, a my wife built our whole med spa off of, of, of social media. And even me, I, just for an example, sometimes I would go to post and as much as I love them, like, you know, Andy and Ed, these are my guys. These are my, these are my, you know, these are my fucking like my so,
0: Who are Andy and Ed for people that may not know?
1: Uh, Andy Fursella and Ed Milette. Um, they're the, the, you know, they're my guys. Andy's Andy's the CEO of First Form Supplements. I've been with him since 2015. And then Ed came in around 2017, 2018, uh, and they formed a, a company called Arte. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the Arte syndicate with them. I'm being coached by them for the past three years. So even in this hole where you're seeing all this these things come up, Sometimes you might even recognize, like, I'll go ghost for, you know, a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. when I go ghost, it's, it's, it's that self-doubt. It's, it still plays a huge role. And there's a lot of people out there that deal with it. But when it finally fucking hit me, one, I think I was looking at a lot of, and, and, and there's a lot of people out there that do this. I was looking at their wins. I was looking at their success. And I was looking at mine. And I'm like, well, I don't have that. And then you start to feel a certain way. It's fucking crazy. And I even know know, we talked about this. We train on this. We tell people don't do that. But yet we still do it. I don't care who you are. Right. And then I just started to think. I had to start like unfollowing people. Just to, 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 to clear my brain. Or the second I literally said, where am I at right now at 46. Am I better than I was at 45? Yes. Am I better than I was at 40? The only fucking person I'm, I need to worry about is where's mm-hmm. Brad Modrich at? Right. Every day I know I'm doing something to get better.
0: Mm-hmm. That's all. huge, that brother. Huge. It's amazing yeah. mentality that it, like it cripples people, man. And I think their whole life, they end up, it, it's not like living a lie. But it's almost like living a lie because you never actually be who you really are. You just be whatever you think other people want you to be. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. it's a, it's a breakthrough moment, man. And I know like from a mentality perspective, you come from the fitness world. So talk a little bit about your fitness background and, and why that physical element is so important to your overall consistency, mindset, everything.
1: Yeah, well, I I got I got, you know, prior to prior to getting locked up, we were in the gym. We were the fucking guys that were like 240, 250, all steroided up, you know, in the club with our shirt off, you know, Jersey Shore stuff, Jersey Shore. We were fucking Jersey Shore before Jersey Shore came out. Absolutely. Unquestionable. Like, that was my Saturday routine. I would fucking do my fucking laundry in the morning. I'd go hit the gym. I'd hit the tan. I'd shower. Like, we we had gym fucking tan laundry. GL, whatever it's called. I mean, yeah, whatever. GTL. GTL. We had that back in the 90s. Anyway. Um,
0: That's close to GLE, man. GTL. What's that? That's almost close like GLE, G-L-E right? man. Yeah, right? GTL. We have to. Uh,
1: gotten, you know, gotten to fitness before that. But when I got locked up. Um, i realized that i wasn't going to just sit there and be a career criminal right Um, i had this epiphany moment something happened and i'm just like i'm not fucking doing this anymore it's not going down this way so i went up got my ged registered for all kinds of classes got certified in prison um, through the national uh, the nfpt got certified anyway, just got really heavy while I was, you know, incarcerated into the gym and learning and learning about nutrition. So whether it was that, that, you know, initial form of this is what I locked in on, you know, it's what I knew people were listening to me. I was mm-hmm. writing out workout programs, you know, telling them what to eat and what to get from commissary in the chow hall, like so they could maximize their gain. So they were getting enough protein. And I just got addicted to it. And the gym literally, yo, the gym saved my life, man. I I, I um, I'm I'm addicted to the gym. It's 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 I don't even want to say addicted. It it is who I am. I am fucking fit. Like the gym and Brad Modric are fucking two and the same. Mm-hmm. That if there's anything that's my identity, the gym is my identity. Everyone knows. My whole family knows. I don't start my day unless I go to the gym. Like it's not even in question. I don't care where we're at. I'm hitting the gym somewhere, getting the blood pumping. A couple things happen when, for me, one, when my body's right, I always found that was a place where it gave me this, this physical stimulated response where I just felt good. There was that dopamine. I get that shot of dopamine. My serotonin was good. Everything was good. And once my body felt good, I could start to, and then I would read you know, reading. I never read up until I was in prison. First time I ever read a book. When I get out, got into self-development and that's all I did was fitness and self-development, fitness and self-development. Yeah. Um, hooked up with, with LA Fitness, which is a national health club chain. And I rocked with them hard for 17 years. I was one of their vice presidents. And that's all we did was work out, sales train, work out, sales train, sell memberships, talk about leadership, And that is my identity Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because this is what I love to do. I love teaching leadership. I love teaching sales. I love teaching fitness, Um, really educating people on the regular benefits of an exercise program, of a nutrition program. But then more importantly, on the business side of it, you know, really teaching young men and women what it means to be a fitness professional. Like to really kind of make that connection with that person who's deconditioned, overweight and out of shape, mm-hmm. like really just kind of, you know, showing that person and just dumping into them that they could do it if they took a couple steps, if they just got their body moving. And I would even say this to people, even when I was selling gym memberships, I, I said it every time and I meant it. And this is why I think I did so well, because people could see my passion in fitness, in this who I was. And I would say, listen, even if you don't join here, and of course I want you to join here. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's my job. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't, when you leave here, make a commitment to two things. Number one, work out three times a week. I just want you to get your ass moving. I don't care if you get a hula hoop and you're sitting out in your front lawn for 45 minutes. I don't care if you're walking around the block, get your commitment three times a week moving for at least 45 and I would do this thing where I just got them to understand that they could do it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, I need to join. Here I'll join. Wow. And it's, it, it, it didn't even like when people were like, Oh my God, you're a great salesman. No, I'm really great at fucking inspiring people to see how easy it is to make that commitment for fitness. Cause it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Phil, that's my identity. That's who the fuck I am.
0: I think, sales Brad is one thing that at least like from my background you know trained as an engineer you know I'm a very logical like hey I'm right why aren't you listening to me sort of guy like this makes sense logically but we don't make decisions logically we make decisions emotionally and I think I think my lack of sales knowledge and ability actually has kind of held held me back in certain areas talk a little bit about sales and and tips tricks why sales is so important for everyone not just sales people
1: oh man sales Ah, sale man everything is sales everything is sales i mean fuck there's a joke in sales when two people meet someone's going to close someone and i used to use it as a very simple explanation i'd say phil where do you want to go eat tonight Do you want to go to mcdonald's or burger king which one?"
0: one mcdonald's
1: Boom, I closed you on fucking McDonald's. Yeah. I asked a question, you said yes, and you committed to one of my things.
0: Right.
1: It's it's selling. Right. But overall, tips and tricks for selling. Listen, if you if first off, now there's gonna be a lot of salespeople out there that talk about their effective rebuttals. And if you say this, you say that. And yeah. if this person does this, you do that. Right. Fuck all that. I think that's bullshit selling. I never was good at. Re- People I used to have to tell my team, because it was a corporate infrastructure, these are the rebuttals. Mm-hmm. I would never go over these fucking rebuttals because <laughs> they were these fucking scripts and I hated them. Yeah. And I like I, I had to show that. But if you're selling something, number one, know the shit out of your product. Mm-hmm. Know the shit out of it. Like just know it inside and out. Because then if you're explaining your product with passion, selling is merely just influencing someone to make a decision to buy,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And this is my version. You can hear a lot of people out there that will say whatever they want. This is my picture and vision of selling, is being able to transfer that emotion, Mm -hmm. transfer that passion, your knowledge, your industry, just what it is about that product Mm -hmm. that's going to get that person to say, you know what? I got enough information. That makes sense. Yes, right? And the only way you get that light bulb to go off mm-hmm. is by knowing your product inside and out and really understanding your prospect and how they're learning things. Like sometimes I, 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 I would have Pocket Protector Pete come in. Pocket Protector Pete was the guy that came in he had his pen up in his shirt and he was, you know, real, very tight, right? He was just very, you know, one I think I money. know that guy. I think right? I know, <laughs> him. <No. You> know <laughs> who that guy is. Know Pocket Protector Pot- Pete. Pete. With him, he needs information. Right now, you know the you know, the 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 young twenty-three-year-old kid that's coming in, who's you know got his pants hanging off his butt, he's chilling. He just wants to know he's a visual guy, so mm-hmm. I'm going to get hyped. I'm going to talk with my hands. I'm going to draw shit out for him. I'm going to you know let my energy flow to where he's at. Right. They always say really try to mirror the person that you're there, um, that that's sitting in front of you. But when when you're selling, if you can't transfer that emotion and right. you can't transfer that passion to that person. One, you're doing that person a disservice because if you truly got a good product and, and you're not creating that right stimulator response and you're not creating that right emotion, mm-hmm. you're, first off, don't sell that product if you can't get passionate about it. Sure. Like uh, here, I'll give my first sales job. I want to sell cars. I'll never fucking forget this. Rothrock Motor Sales here in Allentown. Um uh, I traded this piece of shit car and it was literally, it was a piece of shit. I knew it was a piece of shit. Gave them like a couple, a couple grand, not a lot of money for this car. Mm -hmm. They threw it through the shop, did their 110 point inspection, put it back out on the lot, right? Put some new tires on it, whatever. Another prospect comes in and my manager was like, yo, go show them, you know, that car. And I'm like, fuck that. That car's a piece of shit. And they're like, yeah, but you can make this much money off it. And I'm like, I'm that car's a piece of shit. You know, that car is a piece of shit. And they were like, Oh, we can mix them. And I'm like, at that point, I was like, there's no way I can sell cars. I can't do it.
0: Yeah. There's no way. Um, hey, you got, you got to believe your belief matters, right? You, you gotta, you gotta be able like people think selling is convincing people to buy something they <laughs> don't need. Right. Right. That's not what selling is. Selling is actually like figuring out how, Product that you, or service that you believe in is actually going to add value and, and being actually needed by someone, helping them see how they do actually need that product or service. And, you know, if they don't, you're not going to, I mean, maybe you'll trick them and, and manipulate them and convince them otherwise, but that's that's kind of the sleazy salesman, right?
1: I fucking hate those dudes. Um, was just out at Summer Smash this past weekend uh, at First Forms. Those of you watching, Summer Smash is. Uh, an annual company event for First Form. Uh, First Form's a company I'm also with. Um, they did something special, really cool. Uh, because we have the Med Spa, we have a couple of products that we sell in the Med Spa. So we, we're, we're technically a wholesaler now. So the, the the guy who runs the wholesaler, Brian, called me up. He was like, hey, we've got a special day planned for wholesalers on Friday, the day before Summer Smash. And we'd, we'd love to have you would you want to come i'm like yeah make a long story short all of the wholesalers that were at summer smash got to go to this event right so it was a day based on understanding the customer experience right Mm -hmm. so when we got to, to headquarters there was this coffee company there and these people you could tell they loved coffee like they knew everything about it the bean how it was this and the different grades and how this happens and here smell this and now smell this one now mm-hmm. taste like just I was just like damn I, I'm buying this shit coffee from my local grocery store like <laughs> I want this shit right right and right. they weren't even trying to sell us they were just presenting it right so then it goes to uh we went to what was the next one uh Oh, we did a, a private tasting with Univita tequila and Mason rum, right? So you obviously, you know, Univita, right? So, and it was in this restaurant, this really cool, unique restaurant where they made like, it was kind of like real foofy food, but it was like really unique Um, uh, menu items. Like then they had these, like this, the drink, every drink went with the meal. So there was like a pairing, right? Yeah. Did you ever do yeah. this? Did you ever do that?
0: Yeah, I've done I've done stuff like that.
1: This is the first time I've done this.
0: It matters. I was
1: fucking blown. That's crazy. Blown like I ate this pizza. <laughs> I'll never forget. I ate this pizza and then I had this drink, and the pizza came back like into my mouth. So was like yeah. that's the craziest thing. Awesome. So anyway, the owners of Univita and this uh, this rum company, they get up and they're talking about the barrels and how the company started and just you know everything it's tra- educating us about the gava and you know everything taught us even how to drink it there's a, like there's this thing that you can do where you drink it you inhale you blow out and then swallow and then all the alcohol kind of burns off yeah it's mm. pretty freaking neat I'll, I'll, I'll call you on this yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but anyway they didn't have to sell us anything Because they were so passionate about the product. And I think that's who makes the best salespeople. Mm -hmm. People who truly love their product. Like I truly love fucking fitness. I really do.
2: Yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. I I will not be doing anything else the rest of my life. I will be in some way, shape, or form in the fitness industry. Um, But when you love your product and you're passionate about it and you know every fine little finite detail about it, And you can sell it and you can transfer that emotion and how much you love it. Right. That's selling in my eyes. And you're helping someone.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. I, I, one thing I love that I, I want to highlight also because energy and transferring energy to people and you, you do it amazingly well. And, and I've, I've heard it referred to as being a thermostat, not a thermometer. Correct. So, you know, you set the temperature in the room. And, and this is an interesting idea that if you do this, and, and especially if you're in certain rooms, it can be extremely uncomfortable because, you, you know, you kind of stand out and people are like, whoa, like, well, this guy, like, this guy is intense, right? You know, so if you're in the wrong room, you know, it, it can be an interesting experience. But I'm a big believer in that, man. Like, you, you should always be setting the temperature and setting the tone as opposed to allowing the room you're in to set your temperature, which you know, I probably did that most of my life, Brad. Just yeah. acting as a thermometer.
1: Just but, whatever that energy was, you kind of matched it.
0: Yeah. I thought I I guess it was, I don't know, is in my mind, it was like, okay, this person's at this energy. I'm gonna meet them there. And especially after you start podcasting for a while, you realize like, hey, this is gonna be a really <laughs> boring episode if I don't like bring <laughs> this up a little bit, you know. So it, I mean it it uh that, that, that was a big lesson for me. I, you know, I was starting to learn it before that, but still that that was a, you still
1: have that issue now? Like when you walk into a room
0: and you with, feel like with there's being the thermostat. Problem. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think I'm generally more of a, a thermostat guy than a thermometer guy, but it's something I'm always working on, Brad. I mean, yeah. for me, I'm a, I'm a introverted sort of, that's where I get and recharge my energy. So lots of times when I find myself being more of a thermometer, it's typically when I'm pretty drained and I haven't had an opportunity to kind of get away and, and recharge and in the way that, you know, I need to. Right. And, and probably, you know, going back to some of your consistency and discipline things, just making sure I'm consistently doing some of those recharge activities, going to the gym, reading, you know, dedicating time to my family, making sure I'm doing some of those critical things. And, you know, when I, when I neglect those, I find I'm more likely to revert back into that being a thermometer instead of a thermostat.
1: Right. Cause when you're, when you're focused and you're working out and you have the discipline and you're being consistent with the work, you have confidence. And when you have confidence, that changes the whole fucking dynamic of your spirit you're confident about something. Like when I walked into first form headquarters at the Arate event and I was there already, yeah. I had confidence walking into that room. So i I've been I really there. Am,
2: before. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like I, it, 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 you just, you walk a little different. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, again, that goes back to, I mean, even, even selling, you got to have confidence with like when I'm confident, I'm confident. I can sell a fucking gym membership to anybody that walks in because right. I'm going to break this shit down
2: mm-hmm.
1: in. Little bite sized pieces that they're like, holy shit, I never knew that. Yeah, I need to do this.
0: So right? I've got an interesting, uh, I've heard of this uh, saying called the four C's of building confidence. And what I've been told is it starts with commitment. It starts with, okay, you know, one day Brad, Phil, whoever it was, decided, hey, I'm going to the gym and I'm going every day, I'm committed. Like you got to commit to doing it. You have to make a decision one day, you know, I, people that want to get healthy and eat right and all the time, whatever, like you just got to commit to doing it. People that want to quit smoking, whatever, like they, they just got to make a decision to do it. Right. And, and yeah. so that commitment has got to come. And then you got to have the courage next to try new things, do new things differently, you know, face criticism, that like, you know, whatever's going to come along with, with being committed to doing whatever you want to do. And then ultimately, you're going to build new skills by what you've been doing and have new capability that you've created until you finally, once you have those skills, you're like totally confident. You know your product, you believe in it, you've put in the time, you've had the consistency discipline, you've committed, you've had the courage, and now you are gonna get it done and and that's when that's when you really start to have confidence and you know most people think they like need to just have confidence or or like confidence is going to come but it 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 can't come without the work you gotta put in the work
1: you gotta put in the work
0: yeah no secret
1: sauce i'll never forget this my best friend said this to me i remember um it was after i got out of prison he was working as a driver, a personal driver for someone, for like some big CEO. Maybe he was making great money.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I remember he was driving to go pick this dude. I, I remember the conversation clearly. And he was like, we were talking about what am I gonna do? He was like, listen, Brad, the only way you're gonna get there is you got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And that since that fucking conversation. Cause he started to go in and tell me about how hard the CEO that he's driving for works. Yeah. He's, you know, picking him up at fucking like five 30 in the morning. He's taking them to this meeting. He's taking them here. He's driving them there. He's taking them here. He goes, this guy doesn't stop fucking working. He goes, the only way you're going to get there is you got to work, bro. He was like, I'm seeing it. I'm watching this guy. Like this guy's worth, you know,
2: right. however
1: much he goes, this guy does not stop working. Mm-hmm. And I went in, got my first job when I got out of prison and I didn't, I haven't stopped working since. <laughs>
0: That's it, brother. Yeah. That's uh, good, man. Well, yeah. you're with the right, you're with the right crew in first form and, and Arte, man. Andy's no joke about that stuff.
1: Yeah, no. Um, if you were to seen, I just made this post and this is, you know, good for, for, for the people listening, especially if they're parents. Um, I made a post about, I was sitting there and I'm, I'm like you, I'm an introvert. Like normally I'm an introvert, unless like I'm in my surroundings, then that yeah. little extrovert. introverted doesn't
0: mean you can't interact. It just means right. it's just where you go get your energy. Right.
1: I've always been a guy that would lay back. I put myself in a secure position where I right. knew what was on my back. I just it, just, it just, it's in me. I always do it. I always find a fine sports center. So I'm sitting there for uh, uh, summer smash. And I mean, Flow Riders going, Steve Aoki, Nelly, this I mean, party. And I I just, for a, a hot minute, I'm watching all of the employees, a first one. They all had these orange shirts on. Check out my, my Instagram. Um, I just posted it last night. And all I could see, number one, the core group of the workforce, mm-hmm. they're all in their 20s. They're all th- like the one didn't even have her, her school, the one in Georgia. She couldn't even drink. She's not even 21. Wow. And I'm watching these guys. They're cleaning pissers. They're picking up garbage, emptying nonstop. It was like almost 100 degrees in the beginning of the day. Wow! crazy heat. These guys are working, walking. Hey, are you good? Do you need anything? How you doing? Walking by high five. And these are fucking 20 year olds, the whole company. Yeah. And I just sat there and I was so, it was such a proud moment to watch. And, and let me rewind. I have a 23 year old son and his work ethic is incredible. Mhm. I mean, I haven't woke this kid up for high for school since he's been in the eighth grade. This kid literally got his ass up every morning, made his breakfast, did his, like since he's been in the eighth grade. And there's no exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Kids work ethic is on a whole other level. But when I see this, I always used to hear people say, you know, 20 year olds, all my kids fucking lazy. And this one doesn't do that. And I'm like, that's your fucking fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's your fault. Right. So I'm sitting here and I'm watching these young men and women, these young kids, 20, 21, 22, 23 working. I was like, yo, I got to capture this. I went around. I started taking pictures of them. I was like, you guys are awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's, it's like we could really break the generational curse at firstborn because doing the work is the first thing that we always do. It's what separates all of us. Like when you're prepared and ready to do the work, and mm-hmm. that's your first go-to. Like you look for the work to do. You look for right. the the like these were young men and women that were literally walking around wiping shit down, picking up garbage. Right. Like they were looking for work to do.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it awesome. Was, man. It
1: was insane, man.
0: Um, so so blessed to have parents that taught me similar work ethic when I was younger man I remember being an intern and my my leaders they didn't have anything for me to do you know this was like way before my full-time corporate career but I would walk around literally clean up cubicles like I, w- I would just find empty cubicles full of crap and like organize them and just like I would find anything I could possibly do because I'm like man I'm not on welfare right I'm not just coming here to get a paycheck I gotta do the, I gotta do something and and earn my way right but when, when you see like what you were just saying there, that putting in the work, putting in the time, doing those little things that are uncomfortable. And I used to complain about this back in my college days. I complain about like, man, why are we doing this? This is unreasonable. We, we would do practices at nine 30 at night, go to like two in the morning back in my college days. It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. You get home at 2am, you got to go to morning class. I'm like, this doesn't make sense, but just doing hard stuff that other people aren't willing to do. It, it gives you this sense of like, I can just do anything. Like yeah. nothing can hold me back. Nothing. I, I, I teach
1: the same here. I'll talk about my daughter, my daughter. Even through all of this, she went out, she got a job. She's 17. Last week she worked 10 to six, Monday through thir- uh, Monday through Thursday, Friday. She worked. I mean, literally from 10 in the morning to like 10 at night. Cause she worked, Then she went babysitting. Then Saturday she got up, she hustled, she worked in the morning. It comes from the parents. Mm -hmm. I recorded this thing last night. It was, it was, uh, it's good and bad. It was the uh, police chief of Philadelphia. I'm sorry. It was a mother in Philadelphia. There's been like an obscene amount of homicides in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, like, 200% more than there were ever, right? Wow. Like, it's there's a, a fucking issue in Philly right now. And and Trenton, so like that whole Philly, Trenton area, they're, they're, they're right across the river. And the mayor gets up, because this one lady was like, you know, you got to bring the state police in, bring the National Guard in, they've got to do something to protect these streets. And the mayor gets on, he was like, Are you out of your mind? I am not bringing in state police to train my completely well trained police officers. My police officers didn't do nothing wrong. He goes, Why don't you take a look at home and why don't you start being parents at home? Because this is where all this shit is coming from. Hell yeah. He was so right. Yeah. It comes from the home. You know, I'm not surprised that I got two hardworking kids. My daughter's a hard worker, super polite. My son, same thing. He's had my my wife and I to watch for the past, you know, twenty years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man.
1: They, it's it's almost it's like by fucking osmosis that that happened, right? I, right. It's, right. It's, it's only normal that that happened, right?
0: Yeah. It's from the home. Taking accountability, Brad. Let's talk about it because people are they're always looking for somebody to blame. They're always feeling helpless. You know, n- many people they're always pointing the finger out, right? Hey, you know, you guys need to send in the police to help us. You know, it's like, Hey, how about you take ownership and go get with your neighbors and your communities and, and really make something happen that's going to actually benefit the situation. Right. You know, start being, it starts being parents to your children. Right. What would you say to, what would you say to these people that, you know, maybe they're complaining about, something at their job or, you know, maybe they're complaining about something with their family or, you know, they're complaining that, you know, they didn't have a dad growing up like you, right? Like maybe, maybe they're dealing with something like, how do you wake them up to say, Hey, look, I, I actually can take control and, and control my outcome. And, and I do have accountability of this. What do
1: I say to those people? First, I tell them just one suck it the fuck up and quit being a fucking stomp this bitch voice. That's number one. I hear it happen so many times and I, I get, I get hype when I talk in here. You can even see, this is on my desk almost every day. And I'm holding up the extreme ownership book by Jocko. Gotta Look.
0: love Jocko, man.
1: Um, accountability is big with me. I've been listening to Jocko religiously three times a week. I'm part of his, uh, extreme ownership Academy. It's an online service. If you don't know about it, I have no invested interest in this for 49 bucks a month. It'll be the best fucking training on accountability that you've ever gotten. And to hear it from Jocko and the team and Leif and all these great guys, uh, just knowing what they went through Mm -hmm. accountability comes in, in here. I'll, 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 I'm speaking from experience. I know that every time I looked in that mirror and Had a very candid conversation with the person I was looking at about any aspect of my life, right? I don't care if it was I didn't get the promotion at LA Fitness, I don't care if it was, you know, I didn't get the deal that I was looking for, I don't, I don't care if my fitness, I got in an argument with my wife, what whatever. Any problem, challenge, or situation, before you point the fucking finger at anybody. Look at that problem, even if you got to physically like write it down, Mm -hmm. look at that problem and say, what can I do to make that change? That's got to be the first conversation that you have. Look at it and say, what can I do different? What could I have done different? Point the finger at yourself. And now people are going to say, here, I'll just use, I didn't get promoted the one year. Right, I was supposed to get promoted to VP, didn't happen, and immediately I was fucking butthurt.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was seriously, I was fucking pissed. I felt I deserved it. I had the tenure, my numbers ranked, I had everything in place. I had my replacement, everything all everything checked off, and I was looking at the national sales ranking standards. I wasn't looking at the P and Ls. So in in my eyes, I was winning. And I said, you know, fuck the company, fuck them. I, you know, I deserve this. This was my first lesson in holding myself accountability. Where if I would have said, damn, let me go to my VP and say, okay, what could I have done different? Mm-hmm. If you could break this down to me, why didn't I get this promotion? Help me make it make sense. Right. So after I was bitching and complaining and doing this. I didn't ask that question and it got slapped in my face. It said, here, you want to know why you didn't get promoted? Even though that your sales, your sales were based off of your last year numbers. That's where that formula came up. But mm-hmm. year over year, month over month, even though you're good on a sales ranking on the income report, on the, on the actual, how we're making money, you didn't do better than last year. You didn't right. do better than last month. Your numbers actually suck because yeah, your sales were up based on the formula of the goal. Right and it was like eating a big piece of fucking humble pie right
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: <laughs> so and when it when it comes to accountability in any situation and Phil bro you're 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 catching me right now at a very in heightened part of my life where it's it's really structured on discipline and accountability and not making excuses now the only way i got there was by just you got to be completely honest. And I was transparent. Um, I knew that voice. And listen to everyone out there, you know, that voice in the back of your head, you know, that fucking voice, you know, when you can do more, you know, if you should shut your mouth, you know, if you should wake up early, you know, if you should go to bed early, you know what you need to do. You got half a fucking brain. You know what you get. There's something telling you that right. I, you know what, maybe I shouldn't stay up till fucking midnight when I got to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Right. It's fucking it's X's and O's. So if you know that conversation in your head, and you know what you feel it in your soul. You know that you shouldn't eat fucking McDonald's five. Please <laughs> don't
0: eat McDonald's.
1: Right. You know <laughs> that you should. You know, don't go and. Yeah, I, I see it all the time. And 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 again. I'm passionate about, you know, weight loss when I see people. And again, I, I don't know everyone's situation. I know people have food issues. I, yeah, I get it. I'm, you know, but you know, that eating that fucking stromboli with fucking garlic knots, plus your big Coke, isn't going to help you lose weight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't fucking do it. Right. Accountability is very simple. It's a simple process. You said something before. That I, I had to experience. You have to commit first that, that is, you have to commit that. You know what, (coughs) excuse me, I'm going to do what the fuck I said I was going to do. And I'm going to, this is, you're talking, I'm talking about personal experience right now, Phil. Last year, May 9th, I ran 75 hard with Andy. And when I say Andy, I didn't run it with him. It wasn't like we had a conversation like, hey, let's do 75 hard together. He ran it on March 9th. I ran it right along with him. I still felt something was off. My disciplines were good. I was focusing on my, my critical tasks. And on May 14th, I was having that internal conversation. I knew that there was more I could do. I knew there was things I shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. I, I know what it was. Dropped on my knees. And I was like, yo, <laughs> I looked up in the sky. I was like, I need some help here, big dog. <laughs> Obviously I'm we. I'm a weak person. I need help. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat this shit. And I prayed to God. And I was like, and this has been my prayer every day. Please put the people, places and things in front of me to allow me to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, I had, I committed that I was going to do two things. I was going to have discipline and do what the fuck I said I was going to do. That was number one. And number two, I was going to make sure I prayed every damn day because I'm still here from lockup to OD, to shootouts, to gun, everything, I'm still here. Right?
0: You Every made the day. big dog bark, man.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Not... This is real life here. Can That's good that?
0: stuff, brother. Um, and yeah, you're, you're preaching some some really quality stuff, Brad, that that anybody needs to hear and everybody needs to hear, especially if they're out there trying to be a leader and out there trying to be the best for their family and their community. And their business and their church and whoever, right? Like this is this is exactly what they need to be hearing. And 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 like you said, and I and I love it, you know, we in the Christian world call would call this our conscience, right? But like you know deep down what you need to be doing, and you You know know. when you're not doing what you need to be doing. So you know, and I commit it. I commit it and I
1: said I'm doing everything I said I was gonna do commit right. am i perfect did i make some bad business decisions did we make you know hey i i did what i said I was going to do and the most important part was the discipline discipline to do that those things and discipline to say no to the things that keep me from it
0: right right resist the devil and a flee from you man gotta man got to figure out what to say no to i had another guy on my show recently who said that like you you know what kind of leader you are when you can clearly define what you're not willing to do right and like I, I just love that and and i love what you're saying brad it's been a pleasure brother i know we're creeping up on time man i want to give you an opportunity to share what you're doing where people can find you where they can learn more about brad Matridge and what he's yeah. up to I
1: appreciate it. Uh, It's Brad Modrich on everything. So that's B R A D M O D R I C H. That's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. It's all just my name. Short and simple, Brad Modrich. And uh, things are going good. So the med spa, uh, my wife and I own a med spa. The med spa has been rocking year over year. We already beat last year's numbers already. We're already in June. And last year, we had an epic year. It was the best year that we ever had. So that that could just give you a little peek into you know where we're going right now. Made a couple investments. We bought an Everball. Our Everball opened up on June first. Wow, um, that's rocking already. It's one of the strongest Everball openings that they that they've seen. So that's you know another blessing. Uh, working with some some guys from Arte about working on another investment uh, to be part owner of of ten. Something similar to an Everbowl, but it's a little bit more on like the Hawaiian side. So we're going to probably invest into that company. And then I got my credit repair company that's rocking. I've uh, got some automated e-com that's, that's rocking right now. So we really are. But the big the big banger that's coming, Phil, um, I'm getting back in the fitness game. Uh-oh. And uh, I'm going to be opening a place It's going to be open by next June of next year. Dang. Just my, my, my fitness is going to be coming back out a lot because I've been missing it. I haven't been preaching it enough. So this is going to be the one that I stand tall and I'm proud of the most proud about, you know, the med spa. I'm like the CFO. That's my wife's proud moment. What I'm working on right now, Mm. even though we got all these investments going and things are good, this is going to be my fucking passing the torch to the kids. This is going to be me giving back to the industry that saved my life. This is going to be me creating to create, uh, uh, continuing to create future leaders and our millennials um, and giving back to the fitness industry. Um, so just stay tuned. I got a big banger coming.
0: That's and, awesome, uh,
1: brother. Got a couple things in, in the motion, but I'm um, getting back in the fitness game.
0: I'm excited. We'll be look, We'll be on the lookout for it. And I know the GLA Network is going to get a lot of value out of this episode, man. Appreciate you coming on. And everybody out there, don't forget to go lead everything. Thanks, buddy. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go lead.